Companies all over the globe are developing and molding their own give back models. My name is Christine Petrella, and I'm fortunate enough to host a podcast where I can speak with these companies and help us all learn the unique ways that companies big and small are doing good things in their communities and giving back to so many important causes. Mike and Anj are two of the three partners that make up Sukasa, a tasty frozen food delivery company that donates at least one meal per order to their nonprofit partners. Mike and Anj, thank you so much for joining me today, partners at Sukasa in Richmond, Virginia. How are you guys? Well, thanks. Good. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining me. So how did this idea, who came to who, who brought up this idea of tasty, frozen, very delicious delivery food? (laughs) So you're missing one partner here, which is uh, Jim, who usually would be in the kitchen now, but is actually on a very well-earned vacation. And a couple months before the pandemic hit, Jim and I started just kicking around the idea of frozen burritos that actually taste good and and aren't uh, just a pile of mush that you can get from most frozen burritos in the market and started playing around with that. And our first iteration, our first test kitchen, I guess, included a one-to-one donation for anyone that would buy our frozen burritos. We just needed to get people to try them and figure out our recipes and kind of see if it was worth doing on a bigger scale and uh, pushed a big donation drive part of it. And at the time, Anj was working at Partnership for Families, which is a great, uh, was a great nonprofit in the north side of Richmond, has since unfortunately dissolved. But as a result of that, Anj was able to come over and join in with Sukasa. But she was our first conduit into the donation world and then working with local nonprofits to get food where it's needed most. And so it's been a great certainly transition for her to come on. And she's been involved in Sukasa since it's been an actual thing. <laughs> so she's been involved in uh, a lot of other stuff since the beginning as well. Awesome. Well, Anj, I'm gonna, I have a ton of questions for you, but Mike, I do want to back up a little bit. You and Jim, were you just sitting together at dinner and you had a bad frozen burrito or how did that conversation come? I have been talking about how bad frozen burritos are for over a decade now. I have a former roommate that once we actually started doing this said, oh, I can't believe you actually ended up doing something with that. You were talking about how bad frozen burritos were right out of college. So the first time I really brought it up with Jim was on the tennis court after we had played tennis and Jim probably beat me soundly. And I said, hey, you know what? You should you should try to cook frozen burritos because you everything you make is delicious. And uh, frozen burritos seems like low-hanging fruit. And he probably laughed a little bit and said, sure, why not? So we uh, did a couple test cooks and came up with a couple recipes and probably wouldn't have done anything with it if the pandemic didn't hit. <laughs> so. Oh, goodness. So, Anj, you get that call. You're the it girl. We want to go with you. You have the experience. What was going through your mind when you were asked to jump into this journey? Well, you know, that was such a strange time for working in a nonprofit, really for all nonprofits at the time. Everything was closing down. We weren't having programs. No nonprofits were really seeing program participants. And most nonprofits serving people living in poverty, especially in public housing, were pivoting really quickly to get food to the door of the families they served. And so I knew what was going on with Michael and Jem and was just still head down trying to get food to our families. And he said, hey, can you help us donate these burritos? So 
we started donating or giving, passing them out to our families. And quickly, Michael and Jim were selling more and more. And so they were donating more and more. And so I was calling all my friends that worked in nonprofits. I have a handful of friends that still work at Boys and Girls Club and Boys and Girls Club Petersburg, Easton, Southside. They were all coming over and loading up on frozen burritos and passing them out. And so really, I was just a, I was a logistics company. For, uh, for, I don't know, probably a couple months. And, you know, every time Michael came to drop off burritos, he was like, when do you think you can start helping us? (laughs) And we'd have conversations on how to set up an Instagram page. Not to throw you under the bus, Michael. (laughs) You know, so I was kind of in the background setting up social media and communication. I still have no idea how that works. (laughs) (laughs) It looks great though. That's kind of how I got involved. And as soon as Michael realized I could do all these things, (laughs) he just said, Hey, why don't you do more? And now here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Michael. Rain to write in. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can see talent uh, a mile away. And then really, I mean, Anja was very helpful with the first parts of the donations, but it's I, I have known on for a while and it was very clear that she could do that and a lot more. And uh, I feel very lucky that she decided to come on board and help us. And hopefully it will be worth all of her hard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you celebrated your one year anniversary. What was it? A couple of weeks ago for Sukasa, you know, and you were talking about you and Jim were having these conversations just right before the pandemic. So pandemic hits, where are you guys in your business model? It's non-existent. I mean, we anything more than just the idea that, yeah, we probably could make frozen burritos that are better than what are, are out there. But aside from that, we really had no plans to do anything. And Jim, as a touring musician uh, with rock bands, was quickly not very busy. They still haven't started up the concerts yet, which is probably fortuitous for us because he's um, been able to work in the kitchen. And my job involves travel as well. And so I was uh, grounded for a bit and said, you know what, if we don't do it now, we're probably never going to do it. So let's see what it looks like. So we had a friend of his, he grew up cooking in Richmond restaurants and was able to secure a kitchen that we could work out of. So we weren't filling up our house with tortillas and everything else. And it, it just really, you know, it was a year old birthday in terms of when we first rolled our first burrito in a kitchen other than our private kitchen and then actually gave it to somebody else. But we really didn't have a business for another couple months, realistically. And then that was when Anj would have come on board. And you know, June, July is when we'll really be in business for a year. But you know, the genesis of the idea would have been October, November, the previous year, just looking at frozen burritos. And then March, when the COVID hit, was the first time we actually met and made burritos in Cuba Cuba Dose. Wow. So you started this business. This business really grew when that pandemic was hitting the United States, when a lot of people were shutting down, you were ramping up. From day one, it was kind of a buy one, give one burrito. How many burritos do you keep count? Have you been able to donate to nonprofit organizations? We're almost to 10,000, which we're very excited about. But we've also, it's we've trimmed it down a bit because the buy one, donate one is uh, very unsustainable with the quality of the food that we're providing. So it was pretty clear before we started that we wouldn't really be able to keep up with that without a lot of philanthropic uh, donations. But we we certainly had no intention of moving away from that as part of the business model. So we tried to figure out what would be a reasonable, viable donation ratio that we could keep up with. So we, we commit to one per order 
we donate a lot more than one port order, but uh, we're we're almost to 10,000 now. And we also have beyond that, we did a Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, frozen dinner donation drive, as well as have the, you have the ability to just donate burritos on our website. And that count is close to 8,000 as well. So uh, if we're lumping them all in, we're up to about, I don't know, 17, 18,000. So I don't have to just go on and order for myself and then you donate. I can actually go onto your website and choose, I just want a flat out donation. Is that right? If you want to go above and beyond, you can buy a burrito pretty much a cost and we'll find someone that needs it in town. That's fantastic. And Anj, can you talk a little bit about the organizations that you are currently working with? Yeah. You know, again, kind of going back to the beginning, all nonprofits were really focused on getting families that they serve just the kind of the basics. And so we started early on working with a couple of food pantries, First Baptist Church and then St. Thomas are two big ones. Sherborne, we also donate to, which is food pantry. You know, we've worked with Girls for a Change, Circles RVA, Circles Ashland, Anna Julia Cooper School. And are they reaching out to you or is one of your main goals to kind of reach out more to the community and tell them about what you're doing? It's mostly been us reaching out to organizations in town. There might maybe one or two have reached out to us. Sacred Heart is one that I think maybe reached out to us and they're right around the corner from our kitchen. So that's one we try to donate to pretty regularly, serving a population that not a lot of organizations in Richmond are serving. So a little bit of both, but mostly us kind of finding organizations out there that could use the food. Just to add to that, a lot of the organizations have been recommended by folks buying our burritos. So, uh, and I actually think Sacred Heart was a recommendation. We had, I think we maybe reached out to them, but then somebody else followed up and said, um, hey, you should really reach out to Sacred Heart. But a number, especially during the Thanksgiving and Christmas donation drive, we had a couple articles in the Richard Times Dispatch. We had a lot of folks supporting us during that time, which was awesome. And discussions with some folks, they brought up, you know, if you're donating burritos, you should look at the Ronald McDonald House or call up so-and-so at Doorways. Or uh, there was a number of, folks recommending different organizations in town that we we were able to you know drop off hundreds of Thanksgiving or Christmas bowls at that season because we had so many people buying donation bowls. It's been tough to kind of scale back. One thing that has certainly become very evident in all of this is the need far outweighs the supply that we have. <laughs> so it's difficult to kind of go radio silence. For those of you out there that got some of our bowls a while back, we would love to give you more. And someday we will <laughs> reach back out. But for now, we just don't have enough. But it, it, it has certainly has been uh, amazing to see how many organizations out there are helping local folks that need the help. And uh, there's only so much we're going to be able to do because the need is so immense. So the kitchen that you're working out of, is that a place that people can come to to buy the food? Or is it strictly delivery? They can. It's not ideal. It's a commercial kitchen in Manchester. It's a communal commercial kitchen that has keypads on the doors and uh, is a little not, you know, the signage isn't great, but it's a great kitchen. Uh, Hatch does very well for what we need it to do. So you can come and pick up from the kitchen, just a couple logistical factors. Uh, Delivery may be easier for you than buying the burritos, but you're welcome to come to the kitchen if you want. I know some great food that's coming out of Hatch. So that is a very, very awesome place here in Richmond. Are there any stories? I mean, you're giving back so much. Are are there any stories that have come back to you? Have you received any letters or any phone calls of, hey, this is really how you were able to help your community? 
Yeah. I mean, I think year end, the nonprofits typically are sending out letters saying like, you donated this and this is kind of the impact it made. And, and so we've gotten some of those. I think more of the stories maybe are anecdotal. I think this is a, something I kind of struggle with now working in the nonprofit world for so long. I was kind of on the front lines for so long and, and doing the work in the community so much. And now I'm so kind of pulled back. I'm dropping off the donations. I might chat for a little bit with the program manager, whoever's picking up the donations, but we don't know kind of everything that's going on on the ground at this point. Michael, you might can speak to that more. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, certainly have heard from the folks at the organizations how much the food is appreciated and, and enjoyed. I know First Baptist Church has been a big, is probably our biggest donation spot to date. And uh, they run on Thursdays. Now I think they've opened back up for Mondays as well. But they have a pantry for uh, local folks that, uh, that are homeless at the time. And they can pick up any number of things from toothpaste and socks to burritos. And uh, whenever there's not burritos, they say, oh, you don't have burritos. <laughs> but what, what was interesting to learn in the progress when Anj first came on board and Anj, I know you may, you probably remember talking about this, but uh, just how ideal frozen food and good frozen food like ours is for the purposes that food pantries run. We don't really think about it, but you know, if we do a donation drive, a lot of times it's uh, macaroni and cheese and peanut butter and, you know, great stuff. I love peanut butter, but it has to be shelf stable and it has to easy to transport and all this stuff. And then it, it doesn't involve a lot of fresh vegetables or fruit, everything's going to be canned, if, if anything. And so the kind of the well-balanced nature of our burritos and bowls, we, we say burritos, but we donate bowls also, is unique. And because it's so shelf-stable, I think that helps whoever is passing it out quite a bit that they don't have a timeline. But also just how easy it is for really anyone to cook it. So on would speak of experiences where she would work with a family that the parents both work. And, uh, you know, a kid who's too young to be cooking pasta has a box of pasta and a jar of spaghetti sauce and, uh, you know, really shouldn't be cooking uh, with a hot stove. So with, with our burritos, it was that young child could pop it in the microwave or the elderly grandmother who was in a wheelchair can pop it in the microwave. And it's a very well-suited food source for food pantries and then, you know, local support systems like that. I can ex uh, speak from experience. A prosecutor friend of mine in Richmond called me when she heard about this podcast and she said, you have to check out Sukasa. And that was a couple of months ago. And I will tell you, I will always have Sukasa in my freezer. <laughs> I have the glacial burrito once a week. And no joke, the sides are phenomenal. The food is phenomenal. It is definitely now a staple in our household. So I thank you. I, I get emails all the time that you're coming up with new recipes. The peanut butter and jelly pan flake, I believe, is the, the new. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the email I sent out today. <laughs> I got that email. I appreciate it. Pretty delicious. So you guys are constantly coming up with new menu items, which I think is a challenge for a lot of folks. And not only are you coming up with these new menu items, but they're all delicious. So I, I can imagine being able to be on the receiving end of that, how grateful and thankful people must be to not just be receiving a frozen food that you know you can get at any grocery store. This is really high-end, I would consider it gourmet, <laughs> frozen food. How are you able to do that? I mean, I know Jim isn't able to be on the call. He's on vacation, but how are you guys coming up with these awesome, delicious menu items? 
it's a team effort from a uh, creativity standpoint. I think I've I've got a couple recipes that have made it through and uh, are actually on there. I know Alan just come up with some stuff, but I mean Jim is is a really really phenomenal chef, <laughs> and so you, you pretty much anything. Say I think we should do something with pork and rice. And okay, well, well, here, how about this? There's a great Korean recipe that we can do. <laughs> I don't think either of us can take any credit for the gourmet level of the food. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's certainly a team effort on the ideas. I think in an email I wrote a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I don't remember, I talked about our whiteboard, which is in our private kitchen at Hatch. And it's always got like what we have going on for the week planning wise, recipe wise. And then there's a little box on the top left that has ideas. You know, Michael and I will talk about stuff. Jim obviously adds stuff. The rest of the staff adds stuff. But then there'll be people that just visit the kitchen and see it. And they're inspired. And so they have an idea. And so there's all these kind of different inspiration points that we're taking advantage of as people come in the kitchen. But yeah, Jim gets all the credit really. Yeah. For the recipes. What's kind of interesting and certainly relevant to this discussion is what we end up donating is is a mix of what we have maybe a good pile of. In a lot of cases, we have, you know, we'll make the your glacial pastor burrito, which is also, I think, my favorite. It is delicious. We'll have leftover meat from that. We'll have the pastor pork and beef, as well as some of the rice from the mojo pork. And then, uh, you know, so something else. And Jim will think, okay, if I add cheese here or avocado or whatever it is, then you know, th- that would probably be really good. And he'll roll up what we have left. So there'll be 50 of them. It's not really enough to sell, but it's phenomenal food that's you know cooked in the same uh, with the same love and everything else that uh, everything else is. And so in a lot of cases, I- I've tried some of these. The donation burritos that go out <laughs> are unique. And in a lot of cases, like we should really circle back to them and say, <laughs> we should add this as a menu item. It's so good. So it's it's kind of fun to think that the folks that are getting the donations are, are getting kind of specially made. Little works of art. Yeah, <laughs> from Jim. Yeah, sometimes I think Jim's favorite days in the kitchen are the days he gets to create a new recipe from what he has left over. And that's the time he's like, I think he's you know the most inspired, which is it's funny to see that now. But yeah, I mean, even going back to what you were talking about earlier with donating, you're right. You know, I saw when I was still working at the nonprofit, so many families, as I'm trying to pack these boxes of food before we have the burritos of macaroni and cheese or a pasta and a sauce and a canned vegetable. And I'm getting tired of trying to create a meal out of what I have. And they're certainly getting tired of trying to create a meal of what I'm giving them. And it was every Thursday when I was still working at the nonprofit that Michael would come with the burritos and they would go home to our families. And our families were pumped. I'd drop off the box of food and they're like, Thursday's burrito night. <laughs> they were excited. I remember you saying someone was on the porch when you got there and you had you just walked, opened the door and they said, you better have burritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, at that time, they were so isolated. So they were so excited to see us and talk to us and also know that they were going to get like a really exciting meal that night or more exciting than they had been eating. That's a valid point as well, looking at the Thanksgiving and Christmas drives. One thing we heard from a lot of different folks, you know, we went to a number of different organizations. And whereas the food pantries are often a little more focused on families, I think, the on the Thanksgiving and Christmas drive, we, we had a lot more kind of elderly shut-ins that 
got some of our food. And one thing that multiple different people said at different times, uh, you know, they just they were amazed that someone was thinking about them. Like it was such a, you know, personal touch that they don't get that they just that in itself was so powerful. Right. So help me navigate this industry in this specific, because it sounds like there's a bigger issue here that actually it brings me great joy that for, you know, a day Thursday's burrito night and they're getting that great meal. But is there a bigger issue here where we are not focusing as much on the quality of food that is being delivered to these pantries? Am I off here by saying that? I just could speak better to this, but just the the very limited amount that I've noticed is that the organizations don't have the shelf stability to keep fresh vegetables and to distribute them. And it is a bit of a logistics problem. But I think you're also right that we do kind of say this can of peas is good enough. And uh, even frozen peas would be a lot better. But I don't know. Anj, you can you can speak to this better than I can. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a, a sticky question because I think as human beings altruism is human indulgence. We want to feel good by doing something. It doesn't matter what it is. So if I go to the grocery store and I know my my church has a food pantry and I buy a couple extra cans of corn and green bean, like I get to feel good. And then that's kind of where it ends. And not for everyone and not for, you know, all places, but it's somewhat self-serving if if we're not really digging into or getting to know who are those people and what are they experiencing and uh, maybe that is all they're eating. And how how do we do more? Yeah, it's that's tricky. I guess I think you know the bigger food pantries like a Feed More. Sure, they're you know they're they're getting shipments from USDA, probably decent quality meat that's going to families where they can make kind of real meals or fresh tricycle farms. They're doing fresh produce, but again, it's it's not enough. Like we have a lot of food insecure people in the Richmond area. And it's kind of a band-aid at this point, food pantries. We're not really fixing the problem of poverty. Yeah. And it, just just to build on that, I think that with the folks, I mean, you mentioned tricycle farms and they're doing a ton of great things to get fresh vegetables into communities that do not have access to fresh vegetables. I think it's Shalom Farm. Shalom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Tricycle is doing some of that as well in terms of getting it into markets that don't have fresh vegetables and areas that don't have access to fresh markets. And, uh, you know, it's the whole idea of food deserts is very, very real in Richmond, uh, as it is in a lot of places. And it's expensive to figure out how to get those fresh vegetables where they need to be and to get well-balanced food. And it's tough. So from Andre's point of, look, if I'm going to, you know, donate to a food pantry, I want to feel good. And it feels a lot better to say I'm feeding 30 people than three. But if we're going to really get food that we're eating, you may eat canned peas often, but I don't. (laughs) I don't think they're very good. Then it's more expensive. You have to really accept that you're going to feed less people, but it's going to be better food. Right. Well, I appreciate the education there. And I think it's amazing that you started with this idea of frozen burritos are yuck. I'm going to make these gourmet burritos. But then you're also solving a bigger problem of giving back to your community in such a huge way. I'd love to know what's next. I want to support you guys. I want everyone I know to support you guys. But what's next for Sukasa? Just really quick, and Angel, uh, I'll let you speak to this more. I hope I'm not saying anything I shouldn't be saying. But uh, you say, you know, solving a problem with what we're doing. And Unfortunately, we're we're not. You know, at nine thousand eight hundred burritos or wherever we are in terms of donation, I mean, that is just a drop in the bucket of what is really needed. And so, I, I think that certainly we we hope that 
our experience can at least maybe spread the word in terms of how big the need is and get other people involved in it. And maybe that can be more of uh, our lasting uh, legacy of sorts. But we're also certainly talking about, look, how can we make this more impactful for someone? We feed hundreds of people a week with one burrito. And that's awesome. And hopefully they smile about it. and They say, wow, that's a really good burrito. But then they have every other meal of the week is a struggle. So we are looking at how can we maybe partner with, with someone that we can be more regular. You know, we have a family that we are making sure they are fed for the summer or more of a similar idea. Look, we love feeding as many people as possible, but if we really want to make a difference, then maybe we need to look at you know, feeding less people and just feeding them more. We're not there yet, but we do have some folks we're talking to that I, I think are doing just phenomenal things in parts of the city where I don't have a ton of exposure. Anj has way more, but the food desert areas where the need is very, very stark. And then we're, we're looking at how we can make that work on maybe not a bigger scale, but a better scale. <laughs> yeah, maybe more impactful. I think, yeah. Thank you, Michael, for saying that. Like we're by no means experts in food and security. We're not, we don't have an agenda. We're not solving any problem. Uh, the nonprofits are the ones that are doing the hard work for sure. We really have the easy job. Mm-hmm. And delicious job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you both for taking the time. I, I learned a lot going through your website. There are just so many, Wh- whoever does your website, bravo to them because it is a fun website. It's interactive. I love that I can go and just click donate at the top and I can shop on the left. I can see what you guys have going on. I can see who you're giving back to. I, I wanted to thank you guys for your time. You have a phenomenal business. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and come back to see more of the Give Back Model. Thank you for your support. Thank you.